Now I've carried the burden for too long on my own. And I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. laying it down all I know is I need you so I run to the Father fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father Son for redemption, the price for my heart, and I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, oh, I can't comprehend all I. soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again and oh and oh and oh and again and again and oh and oh and oh so I run to Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Let's give him some praise, church. Amen. 
You know, it's Christmas season, and Christmas season is a time to get excited. Uh, it's a time to, to be joyful. It's a time to be uh, happy. But most of all, it's a time to be glad. Uh, glad that God did for us what he did. Amen. Those lights were already on. Thank you. So praising that, that God did for us what he did. Amen. That, that Jesus coming down to the manger, how many of you know, wasn't just an eight-pound baby Jesus? Amen. It wasn't eight-pound baby Jesus. It, it was Jesus Christ, right? He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords laying in that manger, and that's who we celebrate this season. Amen? Amen. So we're, we're starting kind of a new Christmassy series uh, for December, and I, I started off with the Grinch because my family calls me the Grinch, Right? And uh, they say that I'm, I'm not as fun uh, as they would like me to be in some things. And, and so they, they call me the Grinch. But I want to tell you just a little story about why I got that way. So there was one particular year when all of my kids were, were little. Uh, they were uh, my three uh, young adult children now were actually, you know, uh, middle school and primary school at the time. And they were, they were pretty little. And they were hanging out inside. And it was a Christmas season. And uh, I think we had just moved into the house where we've been living now for about the last 15 years. And we had just moved into it. And uh, Jessica and my two girls and my son were inside. And they were toasty. And it was kind of a, a cold night. And I was outside putting Christmas lights on my house, right? So I was outside putting all these Christmas lights on the house. And I was, I was out there and I was just so proud of myself. Have you ever done anything where you're just so proud of yourself? Right, you get done, and you just, you just, you just need somebody else to know what you did. Right, you just need, to, you just need to show somebody. Right, you bake some cookies, and those cookies just turned out so good. Right, and you just had to have let somebody have a little taste. Right, you don't want them to take too much, but you want them to have a little taste because you want to save them because they tasted so good. Right, uh, no, but but you just done something, and and you were just so excited about what you did. Well, I put up these lights, and I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I thought it. It was absolutely beautiful, and I was so excited about these lights. And I got done. I plugged in the last strand. Everything worked. Everything was awesome. And I go to the front door, and I open it up, and I yelled in, Hey, guys, the lights are ready. Come on outside and see them. And then I shut the door, and I went outside, and you know, I ran out, and I stood on the corner, you know, where you could really get a good view. And I waited. I waited. I waited. Nobody showed up. Like, like nobody came to look at the lights. And I'm like, well, maybe they didn't hear me, Miss Lucille. So, so I went back to the door, and I opened the door, and I walked about ten more paces in, and I said, hey. And they were all just snuggled up in blankets on the couch watching, like, The Elf or something. I don't know what they were watching, but they were watching some Christmas movie, and they were all snuggled up. And I said, hey, guys, the lights are ready. And they were like, okay, Dad, we're coming. And I'm like, yes, okay, they heard me that time. I'm like walk, looking, making sure all the lights, I wanted to make sure all the little lights were twinkling, Clark. And, and I'm just checking the lights, you know, I'm looking at everything. And, and I'm like, okay, and I'm standing on the corner, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting, and I'm whistling, and neighbors are staring at me, wondering what I'm doing, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, I know they heard me this time. So I went to the door, and I opened it up, and I said, hey, guys, I know y'all heard me. 
<laughs> the Christmas lights are done. Why don't y'all come on out and look at the Christmas lights that I did? I've been working on these for three hours, and they just kind of had not even moved off the couch, right? They hadn't even moved out from under the blanket, and they were eating popcorn, y'all, and they were, they were watching movie, and my, my fingers were a little cold, and they were inside eating popcorn and watching movies, and they didn't even move when I had the Christmas lights done. So, so I looked in there, and they said, oh, Dad, we'll come look when the movie's over. Now, listen, at that point in time, I started to feel my heart begin to shrink when it came to Christmas lights. At that point in time, I lost all passion for the Christmas lights that I had had my entire life. Right? I lost all passion for it. And I went outside, shut the door, and I said, fine, I don't care if nobody comes to look at the lights. I'm going to look at the lights myself, and then I will never, ever do Christmas lights again. And I said that just being a little facetious, but what happened was I made a pact with my heart. In that moment, right? Because how many of you know dads got feelings too, guys? Right? Dads feel things too. Dads have, dads, listen, dads act tough and they walk around and smell funky sometimes and do some weird stuff. But we got some feelings, right? And in that moment, I had, I had some feelings and I made a pact with my heart that I was never, ever going to do Christmas lights again. And do you know I did not do Christmas lights for the next five years? For five years, I didn't put Christmas lights up on my house. And every year, my wife and kids came to me, Dad, Dad, you going to put some Christmas lights up this year? And I said, remember when y'all didn't come out and look the last time? No, I ain't putting up no Christmas lights, you know. And then they're like, oh, Grinch, Dad's a Grinch, you know, and, and Dad's the Grinch. And, and then they go on about their life and their business, you know, and everything. And it was about, uh, uh, it, it may not have been five years, but it may have been. It was close to it. But it, it was somewhere around the fifth year, my wife came to me and she took me by the hand. And how many of you know your wife has a way of persuading you to do some things maybe that you don't want to ordinarily do? My wife came to me and took me by the hand and she said, I wish she was in here. I would, I would make her act it out for you, but she's not. She had to step out with our grandson. But, but she came up to me, and she took my hands, and she said, now, now listen, baby. Listen, I, I know. And how many of you, your wives talk to you like you're a little kid? Anybody? Now, how many of y'all secretly like it? I know you do, because I do. Right? And she's like, she's like baby, now, now listen. Um, I know we hurt your feelings four and a half years ago. I know that we didn't come look at the Christmas lights when we were supposed to. And I know we hurt your heart. And we are so sorry for that. Aren't we kids? And they're like, yep. Stand in the back. They're like, we're so sorry for that. Would you please put up Christmas lights again this year? And I said, I'm going to put them up. But if nobody comes out to look at them, it's going to be it for the rest of my life. I will never put up another Christmas light, right? So I went and put them up. They came out and looked at them, and my heart grew uh, for Christmas lights. So ever since then, I've been putting Christmas lights up every year, right? Uh, matter of fact, I thought about it this year because Jessica and I are empty nesters now, and, and all the empty nesters said, hallelujah. No? Just us? All right, I'll do it. Hallelujah. I'm just teasing, but, but 
but we're, we're empty nesters now, right? And, 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 and I thought, you know, I probably don't need to put up any Christmas lights this year. It's just me and Jess. We'll decorate the inside of the house, and, and we'll just roll with it, right? Uh, but now we have a grandson. He is infatuated with Christmas lights. Uh, but here's the thing. I put up Christmas lights this year, thought I did a great job, took him out to show him the lights, and my neighbors had blow-ups, y'all. My neighbors across the street, they got blow-ups and a candy cane pathway and Santa and Rudolph in a pickup truck. And, and they got all of this stuff. And I, and I walked out and I'm showing Waylon the manger and Mary and Joseph and the little, little plastic manger set I got and the lights. I'm like, look, these little lights twinkle, Waylon, look. And he's like, And he started running to my neighbor's house. So I, so I came inside and I told Jess, I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to step up my game next year. Next, next year, we're going to have to, we're going to blow it up. We're going to blow up the park. Amen. We're, we're going to do that next year. But, but then I heard a, a comedian yesterday say that uh, inflatable Christmas stuff for your yard is like Crocs for your yard. <laughs> so I, I knew somebody was going to get offended on that, right? Anybody a Croc? Wear Crocs? Yeah. All right. There's a handful of us. We'll leave it alone. So, so moving into, that's why my kids called me the Grinch for, for quite a few seasons. And a matter of fact, they got so used to calling me the Grinch that even though I'm not the Grinch anymore, they still call me the Grinch. Right? They still, uh, and when I do things that seem Christmassy, they seem genuinely shocked. Like, like when I'm trying to do something Christmassy and they're like, really? You're doing that? You know, and I'm like, yes, y'all, yes. Like, I, I like Christmas. I love Christmas, right? I'm not the Grinch, right? And I, I try to get over that. How many of you guys have the Grinch uh, nickname in your, in, your, in your household? Anybody? Yeah, a couple people, right? You got, wow, it's just me and you, Lewis. Wow. Okay, we got another one. All right, it's us three against the world, right? Every, nobody else has that. But, but the, there's, there's lots of articles that discuss the three, the five, the six, or even the 20 ways that you might be a little Grinchy. Uh, according to the Grinch Who Stole Christmas movie, Grinchy means this. A grumpy person who spoils the pleasure of others, killjoy, spoils sport. Now, they may call us Grinch, but we don't kill the pleasure of others, do we, Lewis? No, we don't do that, do we? No, absolutely not, right? But they call us the Grinch anyway, but that's what, that's what the Grinch means according to the movie. So some of these articles suggest you may be a Grinch if this, you hate Christmas music. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands because I don't want any kind of people getting drug out into the parking lot because they're having a battle over Christmas music, right? But, but you hate Christmas music. You might be a little Grinchy if you, if you totally dislike Christmas music. Uh, you suggest that Christmas is over-commercialized all the time. You say it every day to anybody that will listen during the Christmas season, right? If you do that all the time, you might be just a tad bit grinchy. Uh, you refuse to shop in stores that decorate for Christmas too early. We got a couple of those, right? You're like, oh, no. You're like, it ain't even Thanksgiving yet, right? Listen, I saw this meme. <laughs> I saw this meme and it said, calm down, Karen. If you can have a whole birthday month, Jesus can have three. <laughs> and I was like, y'all know somebody that takes a birthday month? 
right, right? There's people that are like, it's my birthday month, right? Right, if you get a birthday month, Jesus gets three. That's just the way it rolls, right? So, so you refuse to shop in stores that decorate too early. The last thing you want to do is be around friends and family who are cheery and in love and laughing merrily. That's the last thing you want to do. You're like, oh, no, you heard such and such is going to be there at your get-together. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to be all lovey and dovey. They're going to be hugging and kissing each other. They're going to be acting like they're in love, right? And you, and you can't stand to be around that, right? If, if that's the case, you might be a little grinchy. Uh, you may buy Christmas gifts, but you complain about the cost the entire time and even when you hand them to the person. No, I, I added that last part in, right? I, don't, I hope nobody complains about the cost when they give somebody a gift, right? Uh, but maybe you buy Christmas gifts, but the whole time you're calculating in your head going, oh, this is expensive. This is entirely too much. Christmas is way too commercialized. That was my Grinch voice. Christmas is entirely too commercialized, right? Uh, matter of fact, my daughter does a good Grinch pose because she's pregnant. She's got that belly, right? She does the Grinch pose, but... Well, maybe that's you. Or maybe you only decorate because it's what you're supposed to do, but you don't actually take any joy in it. And if that's you, you might find yourself being a little grinchy uh, this Christmas season. Now, these are the, the world's ideas of being grinchy, right? And this is the movie's idea of being grinchy. But, but I think the Bible may tackle it in a slightly different way. Uh, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 2 with me. Uh, real quick, and we're going to read about the original Grinch in the original Christmas story, King Herod. Although King Herod was quite a bit more malicious than the Grinch in the, in the cartoon or the movie. If you're there, say go ahead. That was about a quarter of you. I'll give you a second. In case you didn't know, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Everybody say troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. 
when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should return, not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the word or by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son." Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem. And in all districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, which is Bethlehem. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, Herod was known for quite a few things during his season of reign and rule. Herod was known for his architecture. The architecture that was built during this time of King Herod was grand and beautiful, and people still talk about it in the history books. Uh, Herod rose to power while taking advantage of Roman political unrest and befriending enemies of the Jews. So Herod actually stabbed his own people in the back because Herod himself was a Jew. So he befriended enemies of the Jews just so that he could rise to power. Uh, there's, there's not much more Grinchy than that, right? Herod reigned for 37 years and then died shortly after Jesus was born. The killing of the 14,000 innocents, which is what they call the slaughter of the young boys that happened that day under Herod's rule. The killing of the 14,000 innocents were, however, not his only murders, Herod actually also ordered the killing of one wife, and he ordered the killings of three of his sons. So anybody that Herod thought threatened him, he wanted them to die. Uh, he didn't want them to continue to live, right? Historians remember him as mean and brutal, but there's another way that historians remember Herod, and that's as extremely paranoid. He was a paranoid leader. He was always looking for somebody to stab him in the back, right? So as we look for ways in the Christmas story where we talk about the ways that Herod was the original Grinch of the Christmas story, when we look at those ways and talk about it, I want us to also look inside of us and see if there are uh, anything about characteristics or the way that he acts that might apply to our own lives, right? So being paranoid that other people were going to take from him, steal from him, uh, uh, dethrone him, take him uh, from his position, right? He was always paranoid. Matthew 2, 3 said that when Herod the king heard this, and we said this earlier, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, I've already said this, but Herod was a, was a Jew and Jerusalem was made up of Jews. Why would they be troubled at the birth of their own Messiah? 
Why would they be troubled at the birth of Jesus and the news of, of the one that they have been looking for and the one that they have been waiting on? Wednesday night I taught about the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We talked about all the ways that, that Israel had come up under the rule of all of these other people, right? And we, we, we talked about all these ways. So by the time we get to Matthew, Israel had suffered through 400 years of, of just people uh, overruling them and overruling them. And and even desecrating the temple and doing things to them, you would think that by the time of Matthew, when the Romans ruled uh, in Israel, that you would think they would be so ready to welcome the Messiah. You think that they would be so ready to welcome Jesus into the, into the world, that they would be so ready to see that, okay, all of these Old Testament prophets proclaim these things, and these things are coming into alignment. This is the Messiah, and he has come to rescue us, right? You think that they would be so happy for that, but do you know that sometimes people get stuck in where they're at? Sometimes people get stuck in where they're at, and they find a little bit of comfort where they're at, and they're not willing to give up that little bit of comfort to get a lot of comfort later. Right? They're not willing to give up that little bit of where they're at now to get what God has for them later, right? So you can get stuck. You can get stuck in, in your own conditions, your own situations, your own, your own things that you go through in life. You can get stuck in, in bad relationships. You can get stuck in turmoil. You can get stuck in your own horrible thinking, right? You can, you can think a certain way, know that it's wrong to think that way, and still get stuck and refuse to change it. Right? There's all kinds of ways that you can get stuck. And Herod uh, was troubled at the news of a Messiah because it meant that he would have to change. It meant that, his, that something about him would have to be different. Can I tell you that that's why uh, most people in the world who have had opportunities to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life and don't do it, it's because they know when they do that they're going to have to change. They know that when they do, things are going to have to be a little different. That means that no longer are they king of their heart, but Jesus is king of their heart. Amen. When we watch the, the Grinch, the movie, we see that one of the biggest things about the Grinch is he's king of his own heart. Right? He doesn't have Jesus in his heart. He's king of his own heart. So it's the same word, this word troubled, is the same word Jesus uses in Luke 24, 38 when he appears to the disciples after his resurrection. This is after his death and resurrection. He appears to the disciples, and they were afraid. And Jesus says to them, why are you troubled? And why does doubt arise in your hearts? I think with King Herod, one of the, the biggest things that the enemy used in him during this season to get him to do his bidding, uh, to, to create such evil in Jerusalem, was fear. And I think as people, one of the biggest things that the enemy can use in our lives to get us to do things that are opposite of God's will and God's plan for our life is fear. When we fear something, it overrides almost all of our other senses. When we fear something, it overrides almost all of our other thoughts. That we have a moment, it, it, when we fear something, sometimes it overrides all of our, our, our good wisdom. Right? When we fear something, sometimes it can override everything and cause us to do things that are against God's nature and against our own nature because we're acting out of fear. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, that Herod was struggling with and dealing with during this time was fear and paranoia. Fear and paranoia. So something had to have happened to Herod at some point in his life for him to operate out of paranoia and fear. Right? Even unto the troubling of his heart, when he hears about Jesus being born. 
So being Grinchy obviously is way too light of a word to use when it comes to the Antichrist spirit that rested on Herod. That's not lost on me today, right? Being Grinchy is way too light of a word. When we talk about the Antichrist spirit that rested on Herod that caused him to slaughter 14,000 babies. Trying to kill the Son of God. Trying to kill the Messiah. Because he was afraid and paranoid that the Messiah would dethrone him. Right? So that's a, a light word to use for this. So it's a fulfilling of a, proper, uh, of a prophecy, but there's, there's some similarities that we can discuss and talk about today that have to do between Herod and the story of the Grinch. Right? So Dr. Seuss's The Grinch talks about this. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were a little too tight. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. I'd like everybody to take a moment and just feel around and check your heart and make sure it's the proper size. Now, you can't do that physically, can you? The story of the Grinch is, is about not appreciating the miracle of Christ. The story of the Grinch is about not appreciating what Jesus was about to bring to the world. And when you have pain on the inside, a lot of times what's happening inside of you takes primary focus in your eyes and in your sight and in your heart. And when you have pain on the inside, it's hard for you to celebrate something that's happening outwardly. It's hard for you to celebrate the Christmas season because when you have pain on the inside, you turn around and you're inward looking. Right? And we see the, the Grinch in the story that Dr. Seuss wrote. We see that he has a lot of pain on the inside, which causes him to be inward looking. Right, And I can only imagine the type of pain that King Herod carried on the inside in order to commit the horrendous acts that he did, even against his own family. How much must that have, have just uh, haunted him? For the rest of his life. Even though he may not have shown it on the outside. Killing three sons and killing your wife. right? How much must that have haunted him for the rest of his life? And, and so he had to have had pain on the inside. So it's also being grinchy is about doing whatever your flesh feels like doing. Now listen. The first few things that we talked about may not apply to you. But I would venture to say that this one applies to almost everybody in the room. Right? That on occasion, we just like to let our flesh do what it wants to do. We want to act any old way we want to act. We want to speak any old way we want to speak. We want to watch any old thing we want to watch. We want to listen to any old thing we want to listen to. We want to do whatever it is we want to do. And we let our flesh have control of our life. Right? So the flesh had control of the Grinch in the movie. But a lot of times, we let our flesh have control of us. Even those of us who have been serving Jesus for a long time have bad days, right? The problem is when you give your flesh the steering wheel, uh, it, you end up being on a roller coaster instead of a straight highway, 
right? When you give your flesh the steering wheel, all of a sudden you got loops and rounds and you're sick to your stomach and you got all this drama that begins to happen in your life. So, so being grinchy is not just about being mean, but it's also about doing whatever it is that you want to do, right? It's also about bitterness and failing to forgive those who caused you pain in the past. Now, this one sometimes can hit you right where it hurts, right? Uh, During the Christmas season, can I say as your pastor today that there is no uh, better time of year than to sit down and take inventory of people that you may be holding things against in your life and begin to get it right? There's no better time of year for you to sit down and begin uh, to list out who, who does not have safe passage through my mind? Who in this world that I think of that name pops up to me doesn't have safe passage through my mind from one side to the other, but they get stuck and I begin to stone them right in the middle, right? They get stuck and I begin to, 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 to say some words that aren't so nice right in the middle, right? Who doesn't have safe passage through your mind? There's no better time than the Christmas season than to decide who that is in your life and begin to get that right today. Right, begin to deal with that and begin to focus with that. And if they don't have safe passage to your mind, we say, Pastor Steve, how how do I deal with that? And how do I how do I uh, give them safe passage? Well, the first step you have to do is actually just make the decision to forgive them. So you make the decision to forgive that person, and you decide uh, against everything else. No matter what else it comes my way, no matter what else happens, I'm making a decision right now to forgive because forgiving them is about uh, the relationship between me and God more than it's about the relationship between me and them, right? So I'm going to choose to forgive them in that moment. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to choose in that moment to let it go, right, and, and not carry that pain and bitterness. In, in the Grinch movie, we see that the Grinch carries pain and bitterness through the entire movie, which causes him to act the way that he acts. Now, some of y'all can't see that you are furry and green, but everybody else can. Some of y'all think you hide it well, but everybody else, especially that lives in your household, knows the difference, right? They, they know uh, whether you're furry and green or not. So if this is the story of the Grinch, then the real Christmas story is about reconciliation. Uh, uh, Dr. Tim spoke on reconciliation last week, right? It's about reconciliation and redemption, and that is what is also happening at the end of the story of the Grinch. The reason that we get so excited during the Christmas season is because it's a story of reconciliation and redemption. Why is our church called Redemption Point? Because the point of redemption is the best place that you can be. Amen. Redemption is is so important in our story, your in my story, your story, and in the Grinch's story. But it's 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 so important in the story of Christmas and the story of Christ. The reason Christ came is the reason we celebrate. The reason Christ came is the reason we get so giddy that we love to give gifts to each other. The reason that Christ came is the reason that we go out and put up lights even if nobody comes to look at them. Right? Because Christ came is why we do everything that we do in this season. And it's why we do it with joy in our hearts. Right? Because of Christ, not because of us. So if we're not careful, we can allow some grinchiness to enter into our hearts as well. 
A heart two sizes too small is a result of stunted growth. Stunted growth. How many of you have experienced that stunted or reversed growth in your heart because of something that somebody else did in your life? And I'm not asking you to raise hands. I'm just asking you to take a look at your heart today and say, if my heart isn't in the right place. And listen, Christmas isn't just a season for you to to get things right and do things right. It can be a catalyst to do things right and be right the rest of the year. Right? Christmas isn't just a season where, okay, uh, it's Christmas time. I got to forgive some people again, but come January, boy, I'm holding some, I'm, I'm going to hold some bitterness. Right? January's cold and cold's about bitterness, and that's what I'm holding, right? No, man. Christmas is the catalyst that we forgive and get our hearts clean to start the year and, and move forward and, and do it the rest of the year. My wife and I also say that we always say that marriage is a magnifier. Right? It doesn't always fix your problems. It doesn't solve problems. It magnifies the problems that you had coming into the marriage. Right? Well, Christmas is also a magnifier. Christmas doesn't solve problems. It doesn't fix problems. But it magnifies problems that are in your heart coming into the season. Because if everybody else that is sitting on your row is happy and joyful and you got your hands folded and you got the Grinch face on, right? it's a magnifier of yourself and where you're at. So it's, it's a time, uh, a season for us to get some things right in our heart, right? And, and things that have caused stunted growth in our heart is the best place to start. So things in your life. There may be some things in your life that happened to you uh, when you were young, when you were a kid. It might be 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But there may be something in your heart that stunted the growth of it that caused you to this day to keep people at a distance, or cause you to this day to not allow anybody into your sphere of influence. Or to let anybody speak into your life. Or cause you today to think that you're the only one that has the right answer and nobody else can talk to you. Right? Something stunts your heart from growing into what God has for you. And those are the things we have to deal with first. Those are the things that we have to get out of the way. So Christ comes to restore hearts as they should be. Why did Christ come in Christmas? He came to restore hearts as they should be. Ezekiel 35, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Regular inspections of our hearts, especially coming into a new season, coming into a new year. Regular inspections of your heart is important to make sure you keep out items that will stunt its growth. Now, just because you deal with some things that are 20, 30, 40 years old and you get that cleared up doesn't mean that the enemy won't try to throw another stumbling block in your way, right? You may get it cleared up today on December 6th and on December 24th, somebody else may throw another stumbling block in your way and give you a reason to stunt the growth of your heart again. But it's practice to recognize and realize the the tricks and the traps of the enemy so that you don't get stuck in life, so that you don't get stuck in your Christian walk. So that you don't get stuck in your relationships and in your family. That you don't get stuck thinking everything is always about you. And it's not. It's about Jesus. Right? So so we've got to remember that. Here's number two. Regular inspections of our heart is important to make sure we keep out items that would stun its growth. I've already really hit on that. But Psalm 139.23, King David wrote this. And he said this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. I, this is something that I pray regularly. 
I pray this psalm regularly in, in, over myself. Because I don't take for granted that I haven't stuck some stuff in the back of the refrigerator in Tupperware that I, that, I, uh, that I conveniently forget about dealing with, right? I don't take that for granted. I, I know that there's times and seasons that when somebody does a little, uh, sticks a little knife in your back or, or it digs or, or takes something from you or hurts you or says something that just uh, rings in your heart for a moment. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that about me. And, and you take those moments and you're like, oh well, you know, it's okay, it's just life. And, and you walk on about life thinking that you've dealt with it and thinking that you've forgiven people. But really what you've done is you've taken that hurt and that pain and stuck it in Tupperware and stuck it in the back of the fridge. And then eventually you have to deal with it. All right? It may be a little more green and a little more hairy when it comes out. Right? It may look like the Grinch when you pull it out. You're like, was this a Jello mold from 2016? What was this? You know, I'm not sure what this is anymore. Was that was that leftover ham from last Thanksgiving? You know, and and now it's hairy and green and it looks like the Grinch. And and that's the same stuff that happens in your life, right? If you don't deal with it and clear it out immediately, it begins to fester and it begins to cause your heart to fail and cause your heart to stink. And it's something that we've got to push out and something that we've got to deal with. Amen? Amen. So number three is this, protecting your heart or allowing God to is key to maintaining a soft heart that's required to follow Jesus closely. Proverbs 4.23 says this in NLT, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Let's read that again. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Uh, there's one verse or one version that actually says it like this. Uh, Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. Right? Guard your heart above all else. What does that mean, Pastor Steve? That means that the things that you let to get deep down in your heart determine the footpaths that you take. The things that you let get deep down in your heart can be good things or they can be bad things. Right? They can be good for you or they can be bad for you. And if they're good for you, they'll determine the footpaths that you take. And if they're bad for you, they'll determine the footpaths that you take. Right? The things that you allow into your heart. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. That means be faithful in guarding your heart. Not just at Christmas time, but all year long. Amen. We were faithful in guarding our hearts so that things don't creep in to cause bitterness and pain and, and things that we need to deal with or things that we have to deal with later. But later always comes with consequences. The faster we can forgive and get things out of our heart up front and the faster we can let things fly out, uh, the least amount of damage it'll do. But if we let it sit in our heart and let it fester, out of it flows the issues of life. Some of y'all are like, I got some issues. Some of y'all are like, I got some whole subscriptions. You may have issues. You may have subscriptions. You may have the whole book series. You may have the book on tape. But whatever you have, you deal with it so it doesn't fester and cause issue in your life. Here's the next one. Uh, most wrong decisions are made from the overflow of a wounded heart. Most wrong decisions that we do in life. If you can look back right now and think about a decision that you made, and I'm not talking about a, a careless decision in the moment that, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm talking about something that you uh, purposed in your heart. 
I'm going to sin or I'm going to I'm going to go against this person or I'm going to do this. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to go down this path. You know what? They can have all of that. I'm going to be over here just doing me. Right? There's nothing there's nothing in this culture, there's no phrase in this culture that I hate more than than you just do you. There's no phrase in culture that I hate more because there's nothing more unbiblical because doing you is all about doing the flesh and what the enemy wants you to do, right? Doing you is actually doing what the enemy wants you to do. So I don't want that. I I want to be Christ-like, and I want to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. I want to walk in the direction that God has me. I want God to light up my path, amen? I want to know where I'm going, and I want to know that I'm in line with him. I don't want to just do whatever comes and appeals to me, right? I, I want to do what God says. So let's go back to the story of the Grinch for a moment. How many of you have watched the movie? Right, most of us in the room. Those of you who are, haven't are, are probably a little lost, and you may not like it anyway if you haven't watched it. <laughs> let's go back to the story for a moment. The Grinch is a little kid, right? Was, it was, and I'm talking about the movie version. was delivered to the wrong house by the storks. Right, a, a windstorm blew him off path. He ended up in the wrong town, wrong city, with the wrong people in the wrong house, and he was raised uh, by by two old ladies that just took care of him as best they could. But he was grouchy and grumpy from the get go. Right, he was a mean little kid from the get go, but also from the get go because he looked different, he was bullied. So he was bullied by the other kids in his class. He was laughed at. He didn't feel accepted. When he decided to try to love Christmas one day because he liked a little girl, right? And he decided, you know what? She's worth me trying to like Christmas for. So he went home and he made an ornament and he created all this stuff and he brought it to school the next day, right? And he, get, he tried to give it to her and everybody laughed at the present that he made. So because of that, he ran off, hardened his heart towards Christmas and towards people. Can I tell you guys that sometimes that happens in church? Sometimes people leave church because they've, uh, something has happened that has hurt them and they've, they've hardened their heart uh, against God and against people. And, we, and it's easy for us to say things, and, and I've, I'm guilty of it too. I say it too. Well, we don't go to church for people. We go to church for God, right? And I say things like that. But, but you know what? The truth of it is that we're supposed to be people that hug and hold and grab a hold of each other. And we're supposed to be people that mourn together. And we're supposed to be people that laugh together. And we're supposed to be people that are tender towards each other's hearts. Right? And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what is that? Jesus was tender towards people's hearts. Right? It's it's something that we're called to be as a church. So can can I challenge you today? If you know somebody that has left this church... And I don't care if it's been in Jessica and I uh, uh, since we've been here or before that. But if you know somebody that has left this church because they got hurt or they have a hurt that's in their heart, can I ask you to just go after them? Can I ask you to reach out to them? And just, and just, just, just listen, go after them like Jesus goes after the one and leaves the 99, right? Reach out to them and, and show them some love, right? So in the end, what the Grinch thought Christmas was all about ended up being wrong. And his heart was not only restored, but it was made bigger and better than before. See, the Grinch went down and stole all the presents, stole all the trees, stole all the decorations, stole all the cookies, stole all the milk, stole all the puppy chow. 
Stole, stole, stole everything, right? He went down and stole everything to where everybody woke up in Whoville that morning and they came outside and everything was gone. And you saw people kind of walking out of their houses like zombies and there was no gifts under the tree. There was no tree, right? And they're, they're walking around and, and, and what do they decide to do? But they gather around the Christmas tree and they begin to sing. And somebody, I think it was little Cindy Lou Who, right? Said, thank you. Cindy Lou Who said, you know what? Christmas isn't about all of that. And they began to sing. And when they began to sing, the Grinch up on his mountain with all of his stolen stuff was shocked that the things that he did to them didn't deter them from celebrating Christmas. And in the movie version, he has a little heart attack. He's like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, the first time, I just watched this for the first time this week. <laughs> I've been a little grinchy, but I watched it. So I, I, I about cracked up laughing because he's like, ah, ah. And he, and he falls on the ground. He's like, what's happening to me? And the narrator says, and the Grinch's heart grew three times its size. <laughs> His heart grew in that moment. And he had tears coming down his face listening to the beautiful music. And he was like, my face is leaking. You know. And he was just. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't know about Pastor Steve. I just don't know. But in this moment, his heart was not only restored, but it grew bigger than what its natural size would be. And I think that sometimes if we pause for the moment if we recognize that our heart is too small if we recognize that we've got some stunted growth because of issues and maybe the next time a Christmas song comes on and if you really can't get in to the worship of a Christmas song right but maybe the next time a Christmas song comes on if you just and, and I'm not talking about Rudolph the Redness right here I'm talking about like Oh Holy Night or something a Christian Christmas song yeah, don't be worshiping the reindeer right Rudolph the Red Nose had a very, oh, he had a very shiny nose, right? No, don't, don't be doing that. But next time a Christian Christmas song comes on, right, maybe pause for a minute, listen to the words, and think about what it means for your life, right? Think about the reason we celebrate, the reason that we're joyful, the reason that we decorate, the reason that we do the things we do is because we recognize that Jesus came to earth as a baby, to live 33 years, to die a horrendous death on a cross, only to be raised again. And he went through all of that for you and me. And if he did that for you and me, for our reconciliation, because he, he came to reconcile the people to the Father. right? So when he came to reconcile the people to the Father, if we can just think about that, and that reconciliation, that will make us enjoy the season that much more. Now, now listen, don't come up to me after church and go, you know Jesus wasn't born in December. Yes, I know. I know. I know that. And I'm not talking about all the, the minutiae that we can argue about the Christmas season. What I'm talking about is just taking a moment and thinking about Jesus and how good he's been to you. Amen? So this is what Jesus specializes in. Jesus takes things that are broken, things that are tattered, 
and makes them new. That's what he does. I don't know about you, but that's what he did for me. For me, he took a man that was broken and tattered. But listen, I was broken and tattered on the inside. You, you couldn't have seen it on the outside. Outside, it looked like I had it all together. All right, three-piece suits and, and six-figure salary and nice cars. And, and you, 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 you would have thought, well, this guy, well, he's just living the life. But on the inside, I was broken and I was tattered. And I had a heart that was two times too small. And I needed restoration, and I needed reconciliation to my Savior. Amen? Because, listen, I had tasted the goodness of God and then walked away from him for 12 years. So when I retasted the goodness of God, I made a commitment to never take that for granted again. Amen? So Christmas is actually Christ hyphen moss, or Christ much, and it means to make much of Christ. So when you complain that a gift cost too much, or it took too long to decorate, or they're singing Christmas songs way too much, or uh, man, they're, they're caroling in my neighborhood, just close the curtains and turn off the lights. When you start to think about that, think about the Christmas season being about making much of Christ. And can I encourage you to do that this season? And, and I encourage you as a man who has, uh, who has not always done that, right? And I've, I've not always done that. So, so I want to encourage you during this Christmas season to make much of Christ. Listen, that doesn't mean that you have to have the most expensive gifts, or that you have to have the most expensive tree or decorations. It just means that whatever you find yourself doing, let's make it about Jesus. Whatever it is, when you find yourself singing or you find yourself decorating, think about Jesus while you're doing it. Talk about Jesus while you're doing it. And in your decorations at home, make sure there's a place for Jesus in your decorations. Now listen, I might get some yard crocs next year. Some Christmas inflatables. But I will not do away with, with my uh, nativity set, right? That nativity, listen, out of all the lights that I put up, that was the only thing little Waylon went and, and hung out with. He went over and Jessica's like, where's baby Jesus? And he'd reach down and touch baby Jesus. And she'd go, where's Mary? And he'd pat Mary on the head. Where's Joseph? And he'd punch Joseph. No, <laughs> he's He's little. He's knocking him over. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And he picks up Jesus. He's dragging him, you know, through the yard. I'm like, I'm like, Waylon. <laughs> Gotta put this back. You just touch. Don't just don't don't grab. Right. But let's whatever we do, let's make it about Christ. Let's remember that Christmas isn't just a holiday, but it's a holy day. Pastor Brad, would you come help me close? Church, would you stand with me?